Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit raising money to provide people who are struggling with STI stigma therapy. Uh, right now, we have eight people enrolled thanks to the donations, thanks to the sponsors, thanks to the podcast listeners utilizing our sponsors, both BetterHelp and Let'sGetCheck.com. So um, as you use those sponsors, the money that comes in is also able to support uh, having gotten those eight people 12 therapy sessions each. So thank you all for your support. I didn't record a podcast episode um, in advance. Um, I interviewed someone and there's some editing that needs to happen and we also have to do two episodes. So uh, part of the reason that I hadn't been interviewing people for a while lately is just because I've gotten a new phone and a new way of having to record. Um, I'm open to Zoom and just pulling the audio from there and then editing it accordingly. So um, I have a subscription that I have access to now with that and we'll see how it turns out. But um, I'm really leaning towards wanting to interview people in person and do more in-person things because the power of just community in general is to me at least, the number one thing that helps with stigma, being able to encourage people to reach out to community, find community, be involved with their community, and of course, tapping into their support system. Uh, the, the noise here, I don't know what's gonna happen. My neighbor's home and the dog, people running showers, air conditioners kicking on, so I will try and make this uh, a quick one. I don't have anything to talk about. I even started to just skip this week's podcast episode. Um, It's been a very busy week for me. I hadn't been on social media. Uh, I have been really working through a lot of the stuff that I was discussing from the last podcast episode, episode 146, and uh, working. (laughs) Um, I'm wanting to do a much better job with uh, training people, training my clients and getting more people to come in because uh, that's that's my primary source of income. That is my source of income now because I don't have my other two jobs anymore that uh, I was doing with this. So that just really requires for me to be more present um, while, yeah, I tell people what to do as far as workouts go. I view personal training really as more of like a customer service uh, job because you really got to know people know personalities and understand that not every time that people come to the gym to work out they're there to just work out you know like we're in a time now uh, with COVID you know this might be the only human contact that people get and getting out of the house and away from their routine this is like their vacation now so my workplace is everyone else's vacation <laughs> and uh, it's important to acknowledge that and be able to have myself taken care of in a way that allows for me to pick up on that and be whatever it is that my clients need for me to be in that moment. So uh, that was part of the reason that I took a week off. One of my board members just advised me to do so uh, after having had such an intense therapy session, uh, an intense week of just processing what I read in the book, Boundaries, and... um, different things in my love life like I I'm I'm at a point now where I'm recognizing a lot of the negative patterns that I've had and 
went in and replaced them with new ones. With um, like I called the last episode, acknowledging the lowercase self. I am wanting to spend more time in the all caps version of myself, which is what I view myself as, uh, as H on my chest, as the person that's posting the things that I post to social media. These are things that are um, coming from a place that lowercase Courtney just can't seem to comprehend or live by. So that's what I'm doing now. And what's really the challenge is being yourself. People so casually just say, be yourself. That is not an easy thing to do. (laughs) It's not. Especially coming from a place of not really knowing yourself without context of the things that you're associated with. And I'll probably say this till I'm blue in the face, but just given where we are right now being in a pandemic and having to have limited social distractions makes us have to be with ourselves a little bit more. And for me, um, I can't think the last time that I was by myself. Uh, I lived in Houston, Texas. I had my own place. It was in a great place. I was I had a good salary job, and I was able to do things. But I would just not want to be alone. I'd go to bars. I'd meet up with friends. I'd be social. And now that I don't have those kinds of distractions, really, I have to experience that same discomfort that I had when I was at home in Houston alone. Um, only I don't have the option of going down the street to the bar and, you know, drinking and meeting new people or, um, I, I'm not, I'm going to say this in a way that's going to sound like I've done it all the time, but it wasn't all the time. Like go and hook up with somebody that I'm here at the bar. Uh, cause that's only happened. It's happened enough time to say that it happened. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's, those kinds of things just aren't appealing to me anymore. And I'm really saying the value of what it means to be myself because I have such limited context and things to associate myself with. Like, I'm not a football player anymore. I'm not an employee at um, a particular company where that was my identity, where that became my identity. Um. As far as working out goes, yeah, people view me as a personal trainer. I'm in my yoga teacher training. Um, That's another thing. You know, I didn't realize just how busy I was until I had that week off of social media. Um, And I realized just like how much stuff there was to do. You know, I look up and it's like, wow, you know, we got eight people in therapy. There's a whole process there. Um, I get up, I have a pretty set routine as far as personal training goes. And then with all of the podcast stuff that I just do throughout the day, like I looked up and there were four different interviews that I did that just all got released over the course of um, a week, a week and a half. And I was just like, damn, you know, this is actually a lot. So that break that I took was in fact good timing. And I was also nominated for uh, sexual health awards 2020 yeah the the category being grassroots organization of the year um which is awesome 
because I'm hoping that with this recognition that something positive for positive people is getting, that it's going to bring about more opportunities for additional interviews, um, potential speech, speaking engagements, for somebody to hear my cry out for an RV or a soundproof van so that I can travel around the country and interview people in person and get in front of these uh, sex-positive organizations that provide services to people in a queer-friendly, identity-reaffirming, non-judgmental, sex-positive way. And for it to also be accessible and affordable, you know? Not everyone is able to, like, I don't have health insurance. I haven't had health insurance in damn near four years, especially because when I got it after I became self-employed, it was like $400 a month. And the one time I needed it, I ended up having to pay $400 for the services I was using and a copay because my insurance didn't cover preventative treatment. So, like, <laughs> uh, from that experience, being able to go into St. Louis Effort for AIDS and tell them, yeah, I don't have insurance, and for them to still test me for HIV, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, um, that was that was nice. Like, I got tested, and they gave me a bunch of condoms, a lot of condoms, and a, a good conversation in relation to my sexual health so that was a pleasant experience and I want to be able to pass that along to others um like I mentioned I, I didn't have anything really to talk about on this podcast episode so this was a really good time for me to go ahead and bring up uh, a couple of the stories that got missed from the Indianapolis event and oh there's a, another one for Halloween coming up, and this one's going to be in Ohio. And I'm not going to be able to make it. <laughs> I'll double-check the dates. I put everything in my calendar now. And since getting this new phone, I've had to put things back into my calendar. And I realized that that was the same weekend as my best friend's wedding, and I'm not missing the wedding. So um, yeah, anyone who's going to that, I apologize. I'm not going to be able to get there, but it's going to be a wonderful time for y'all. Um, it's the weekend before Halloween, and... Um, if you're curious about that, just DM me, message me, and um, I'll see where you're located and bet you on being a part of the group if you're interested. But I know that thing was maxed out, and I'm just going to be one less person <laughs> who, uh, I'm going to be one person not in attendance. But uh, going back to that something negative for positive people um, episode that I did, which was a live one, it was in Indiana. And what we had was people just write down their worst experience with HSV that they've had. And um, we didn't make it through all of them. So I held on to a couple. I've got two here and these are really long. So um, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of talk through these and give my feedback because I think this is a great alternative right now um, until I iron out the interviewing process because that, that in itself is a lot of time as well. When we get through editing, when we get through being sure that um, people are comfortable with the content, arranging times, and right now with uh, construction going on, I have to record at really weird times. And by weird times, I mean like 4 a.m. or like 9 p.m. after 9 p.m. And that's that's not that's not gonna work because that's my bedtime. And at 4 a.m., like I'm already getting up a little bit early in order to do this, so. Here we go. Someone wrote in, picture this. 
first date with a nurse, male nurse. Let's call him that. Great conversation. Respect. I had worked with him for two years. He regularly would flirt and ask me out. I always came up with an excuse to not commit to a date. But eventually I decided I was ready. While talking and laughing at the restaurant, he asked, what was the worst first date I had been on? Before giving me a chance to answer, well, I don't even know how to answer that. He went in on his story. A girl he went out with told him she had herpes. I remember him stating, I'm in healthcare. I could never be with someone who has that. I'm sure he said more, but my stomach was in knots. This was before we even got our appetizer. I barely ate. Date continued. He walked me to my car, kissed my cheek. I drove home crying the whole time, of course. He wanted a second date, so I dropped the news over text. I work in healthcare, but God is good. And two weeks later, I got a new, better job. I am still afraid of something simple. Dinner dates. I wish we would have read this one out loud at the event because I'm I'm sure that there was a lot of feedback that others would have been able to give here. This is a personal situation where someone's bias who works in healthcare shows up in their personal life. As a healthcare professional that doesn't just default you to having knowledge about sexual health or how this ties into mental health. You're a healthcare provider, healthcare worker, male nurse, right? Um, if I remember correctly, I believe there's just a, like a very small amount of what you learn in nursing school is dedicated to sexual health. And I'm not even aware that stigma comes up or the connection between sexual health and mental health comes up at all. But um, this is why we need to advocate for sex positive health care. Those organizations that, you know, a social worker is the one providing you with your testing. These spaces do more for STI prevention, in my experience, than the public health space. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I got to stand on that. <laughs> I've talked to some great people who are aware of my work, who have the one-on-one -on -one conversations with me, who care about their work, who care about uh, advocating for people who are living with STIs, who are advocating for better sex education. But at the end of the day, like I said, the best sexual health-related treatment that I got was from someone who wasn't in healthcare as a social worker. The people who are just passionate about sex and sexual health and who understand the importance of, again, identity-affirming, queer-friendly, LGBT+, plus all of these aspects of sexual health really play a role in like how 
stigma remains prevalent. I don't have words here because I empathize. A lot of people do experience this where someone prior to them disclosing just makes a statement or they make a gesture or imply that it's just, it's not a good idea for you to disclose to them. And I'm sorry that I don't know who wrote this, but like the end of this here, I'm still afraid of something simple. Dinner dates. Let that sink in. To be afraid of something as simple as a dinner date where you just meet up with someone, you have small talk, you perhaps laugh a bit, you learn about each other. And throughout the majority of the date, I'm sure that this has been festering in your mind. Okay, when am I going to disclose? This is going well. Are they still going to like me when they find out I have herpes? How am I going to tell them when's the best time? And then you get the opportunity to do it in a way. Well, it wasn't even an opportunity. You were just going to talk about your worst first date. And he just jumps in. The worst date that I ever had was someone told me they had herpes. (laughs) I work in healthcare though. The fuck out of here, dude. (laughs) Um, from judging from where I collected these papers, I, I don't remember your name, um, <laughs> who wrote this down, but I remember your face. And first off, thank you for sharing. My guidance here is to not judge a book by its cover. Just because a person is in the field of healthcare doesn't mean that this particular aspect of it is going to be something that they're receptive to. And I'm sure you probably found other things that came up later that made you realize that you weren't even a fit for one another, that you weren't even a match. Um, The way that I want to think about it here, the way that I want to put it into words here is while... You felt judged because of his interpretation of his worst first date being someone having disclosed to him. You judged him and held him to this standard of, oh, well, he works in healthcare, so he knows about herpes. I don't think we can make assumptions about what people do or don't know. So the best thing that we can do is just articulate that to ourselves. And I'm sorry, articulate that within ourselves um, that not everyone is going to be as knowledgeable as we are. We're in it. We're here. We're affected by it. Yes, he is in it to an extent, but not directly impacted by it. And these are people you're going to run into, unfortunately. You're going to run into people who you would think, dot, dot, dot. I would think that they knew better. I would think that they'd be more understanding. People just aren't. People are people. And that's what we got to understand. We got to understand that people are people. 
and they're not perfect. They're flawed. None of us are. And um, this this person, ah, oh, it's just so frustrating because this unfortunately is common. It's common that someone just makes a comment like that. And it's somebody that you like and you don't really want to, not only do you want to not change your perception of them, like, because when they do that, you just immediately think, oh, nope, nope, not my kind of person. Perhaps there was a possibility of you being like, oh, well, I, like making it, making a joke out of it. Like if y'all were able to laugh and flirt, you'd be like, oh, well, this won't work out. <laughs> this just got awkward. <laughs> and just being like, well, I guess uh, I'm tied for your first, your worst first date. Or even ask questions. Like, I understand, like, you couldn't eat. Your stomach was in knots and everything. But challenge people. In a situation like that, if you've already made up your mind that you're going to disclose to them, or if, um, oh, yeah, you, you drop the news over text. Okay. So if you intend on disclosing to someone and they drop this kind of thing on you, not I, I think that we need to use shame in a different way. Or guilt in a different way. I, I often um, confuse the two. But you felt guilty. Why? And I'm feeling myself get angry for you. Because you shouldn't have been feeling ashamed or guilt. But that's what the stigma, especially from the public health community, compounded by the fact that this is a guy that you're interested in. So this is a potential partner. A potential partner who works in the health community. Let that sink in. Double whammy, right? So not only is stigma being pushed onto you by a medical professional, it's also being pushed on you by somebody that you're interested in. So why not challenge him? Because you've just been shamed by the stigma. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's stigma. And the way that we combat stigma is, you know, we, we have... Look at look at compute community as like our battery pack. Like the more access to community we have, our batteries get full, and we're able to withstand the drain of people who aren't in our community in whatever aspect that may be, right? So stigma can only do so much when your batteries are full. So all this was was a manifestation of stigma compounded between male nurse and potential partner, right? Now, know that you have support. You have community behind you. You have a support system. You have resources available to you. So what do you have to lose in responding to this person in a funny way or challenging them and being like, oh, why was that your worst first date? Well, because she told me she had herpes. Because she told you you have herpes? One of my buddies put me onto that. Repeat back the statement that doesn't make any sense in the form of a question exactly what they said and it works every time because they either they they have to think about it because they have to now find the the real reason that they're saying what they're saying and answer the question because I would have been curious to know like yeah okay well why was that your worst day crickets <laughs> that's probably what you would have been met with but when we're able to operate from this fully charged state of uh, our emotional well-being around our diagnosis, that puts us at a whole nother level. 
Like we reverse that shame. It's like shame on you for calling that your first date. Shame on you for working in public health or working in the healthcare field and perpetuating stigma. Like this is the reason that people get diagnosed. This is the reason that people don't disclose. This is the reason that people go into these depressions and suicide ideation episodes. That kind of thing. So let's let's reverse shame. Let's reverse guilt because you felt that for having this virus. If you didn't have herpes and he told you that, it would have been shits and giggles, fun and games, playful, ha ha ha, because you wouldn't have been a part of this community. You wouldn't have understood. And this is me making an assumption, so I shouldn't I shouldn't say it that way. But more often than not, this kind of conversation would have just completely been blown by because not many of us know people with herpes. Not many of us know people uh, with herpes who know that they have herpes. And not many of us are willing to defend a group of people that we don't have any sort of ties to. So let's say you're not a member of the herpes community, which most people listening to this podcast episode are. But if you're not a member of the, her- of the uh, herpes community, then... You don't have access. You don't have access to the resources, the support. You don't have access to this community in itself that's going to charge your batteries in order for you to be able to do the defending that you may feel called to do. But coming from this empowered state that charges our batteries shifts that shit, right? And like I always say, I have no intention of getting rid of the stigma a lot of people put a lot of their energy into that, and it's not doing anything. It, it's not going anywhere until we're at a place where every one of us makes a choice in how we're going to navigate the stigma. Truth be told, like that shit don't affect me, except for when I go and I get tested uh, because I have an issue, uh, like my chlamydia story, for instance. Stigma impacted me because the medical professionals didn't tell me that I might have had chlamydia. Therefore, I wouldn't have reinfected myself. So there's a whole new case just due to negligence of, no, not negligence, discomfort around talking about sex, right? So imagine how much more often this happens. And then as far as this being a potential partner, you're just going to meet some people like this. So what I want to say as far as uh, the, the positive takeaway here, not just good riddance. <laughs> um, that's too easy. But also, like, you you got to go on dinner dates. Not everyone's going to be like this. I understand this is a traumatic event for you. I understand that it's going to be triggering. Every time now when you're going on a date with someone, you're going to make the assumption that this is what's going to happen because this has been your experience that you've drawn from. No, you are times past. You've changed as a person. The people around you are changing. You changed your environment. You would you say you got a better job? I got a new better job is what you said at the end here. And I am still afraid of something simple. Dinner dates. Fuck that shit. You a bad bitch. All right. WAP came out. Be empowered. All right. Ain't nothing about herpes changed that from from you being able to go out and just like date. Right. And even then, you know, make people work for that disclosure. Right. I strongly encourage you, if you are listening to this, to listen to episode 99 of Something Positive for Positive People. I cannot recommend this one enough. It's called Integrative Disclosure. We apply Dr. Evelyn Dacker's STARS talk to 
a herpes disclosure. And uh, yeah, you can just go and listen to that. Uh, real quick, I I got to change up the way that I do um, the ads now. So this one doesn't have to be pre-recorded. But moving forward, I'm going to have to record the ads and then put them in. So my apologies, y'all. Um, this sponsor is Let's Get Checked. All right, so if you visit www.trylgc.com slash SPFPP, select whatever, well, there's different tests, but obviously we're talking about SCI, so SCI testing kit, which I am due for another one, so I'll need to hop on and order myself another one to get tested um, because it's been a little bit over three months now since my last SCI screening. Now, I've gotten tested for chlamydia and gonorrhea obviously and um had to get treated for gonorrhea or get treated for chlamydia um when you order your test kit and you go to checkout enter the promo code spfpp and you are going to save 30 percent off of your first s at home sti testing kit all right um i mentioned in the beginning of the episode all of these Purchases that you all make with our sponsors using our promo codes. This really supports the podcast and it's helping us connect people with a therapist who can't afford it themselves. So just think about all the healing that you're doing along with getting tested. And um, the day of this being posted is Sexual Health Awareness Day and people are all on Instagram saying to go get tested. Order your your at-home STI test kit for 30% off. When you visit www.trylgc.com slash SPFPP and use that code SPFPP at checkout. All right. Now we're going to go into the next um, thing that was written in. Oh, about. So this one's a little bit challenging. There's a lot of scribbles and stuff on it. Negative experiences. Um, so since this was scratched out, I'm going to start here. Okay. Ooh, this one's in cursive. Bear with me. So my ex had a revenge of stand of, of what a revenge that's not what that is a revenge of sending a letter to my very conservative parents my status not only that but he said I want you to know that I did really inappropriate things to your daughter's vagina mouth and butthole to my parents like he owned me or had defiled me in some way. All right, I gotta flip it over. Holy shit. So not only did I get outed to my parents before I was really ready to tell them, I felt he made me want to suppress my sexuality because it now made me feel dirty, used, and disposed of. Like he had me feel like I was no better than some trash he used and threw away. I buried, I buried my, I buried my sexuality for a long time. Dated guys who avoided sex because I didn't want to feel that way again. He was a lot of oh, this is a big word. Armpitted, un. Uh, he has a lot of complicated feelings, and I didn't want to address it at all. It was a lot. Oh, it was a lot of complicated feelings. That looked like he. Um, and I didn't want to address it at all. 
I don't mind talking about it. I am not great at expressing myself in writing. Oh, okay. All right. So that's that. Holy fucking shit. Um, never have I heard a story about someone being outed in this way. And that was just me. Um, the kinds of people that we choose to date. We don't really know people initially. I don't think any of us would just date a person that we knew would do some shit like this, right? What's your screening process? What are your boundaries? Um, I mentioned in the previous episode that I find myself, I look up and I'm just in a relationship or I look up and I'm just in a job or I look up and I'm just in a, a place that I ain't got no business being or a situation I ain't got no business being. All as a result of not having boundaries. And I'm, I'm going to probably say this and I'm blue in the face, but Emily DePass, if you are on Instagram, sex education, it's sex education with an L in the middle. Uh, her Instagram page has a series on boundaries. Um, whenever the recording of this podcast um, is, whenever you listen to this, like if you look at the week of this release, you can see where Emily talks a lot about boundaries. And I'm finding that boundaries not only protect me from being in situations where I just wake up and I'm like, oh shit, how'd I get here? But like, I think that those boundaries are a huge part of like this all caps version of ourself. And I use self like, because I don't think selves is the right word. Um, There is definitely a more in tune, connected version of us that we tap into by having boundaries, right? And the way that I see it, the way that I'm visualizing is like an armor, you know, covering up our energy to where we're mindful of where our exchanges are going and what what's happening with our energy exchanges with people. And this just doesn't sound like a good person that was there. It's, it's not a good person. That's not something you do. A whole letter being written to your family about the things I did to your daughter's vagina and butthole and mouth. Come on. Come on. I can't say that there's really like a positive thing that we can pull from this situation. Um, the way that I read it, there's more to the story, but... Um, the way of uh, the way that this reads to me is like we just gotta we gotta pick people better and perhaps like patience is a virtue here because when you give someone the time to really show them who you are, who they are and you can you can feel that you can connect with these people and that's why like it's important for us to really tap into our all cap self or caps lock selves. I like calling myself Caps Lock Courtney now because in therapy we're working through um, that that piece of myself that was created to protect me. And, and in turn, you know, in protecting me also self-sabotages me, right? So this all-caps version of myself is the one that can acknowledge that and make a different decision. Sometimes we need to do that for ourselves, create our alter ego to combat the persona of perhaps patterns and behaviors that we don't agree with or that we don't want to continue to do. So at the end here, what I read was, um, 
I ended up, oh, hold on. I buried my sexuality for a long time, dated guys who avoided sex because I didn't want to feel that way again. So now this is a situation where um, I'm, I've been working in therapy on identifying this, and we call it just like a robot, which is kind of an autopilot response to protect me and in turn self-sabotages me. So what I know about my lowercase self and connecting with this lowercase self that is protecting you from this happening again for the beauty in this is that you can recognize that the way the fact that you were able to just even put that in writing following this negative experience if you're aware that you do this thing then you can be aware that you want to do something different and this is where caps lock insert your name here emerges and now you recognize that okay well this person had these some, these behaviors these patterns uh, these things happened that were red flags so now you can be aware of like how even if you're not aware of how this person's behaving in comparison to how the previous person behaved you can look inside yourself and ask how am I feeling how's my body feeling why, why do I have the same feeling that I had from this person who outed me to my parents and talked about how disrespectful they were to my body consensually I'm assuming um but yeah, like, if you try to get fucked in your ass, if you try to get face fucked and do the gluck gluck thing and have spit running all down your face and tears running down your eyes and you got the waterworks going or you want to be DP, whatever the fuck you want to do with your sexuality, do that shit. If you want to play with your vibrator while you have sex, if you want to, you know, have a gangbang, glory holes, whatever, it don't matter what the fuck you did. You consented to it. It felt good. It was a pleasurable experience. You enjoyed yourself. But this shit, the 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 outing there of people like telling your parents, like, what the fuck kind of immature shit is that? I'm going to have to mark this podcast episode explicit just because I said that. Damn. But I, I'm sad for you because you used to have a good time, you used to have fun, you used to have freedom, this person took away your freedom, they took away your freedom to express yourself in the way that you enjoy, take that shit back, they didn't take this away from caps lock you, they took this away from you, and in order to protect yourself, you put lowercase you in the place of you so that you could deal with it. And I imagine that your relationships moving forward continue to look like you can't express yourself sexually. You can't be you sexually. You can't do those things that you enjoyed. That's not you talking. That's not caps lock self. That's lowercase self. Caps lock self can handle it. Caps lock self is going to be all right. Caps lock self is going to, again, do all of the things and be able to recognize if that feeling comes up from that you received from this guy that outed you and was disrespectful about it and 
shouldn't have shouldn't have told your parents like what make a social media post that's what we do that's what people do in 2019 2020 now he went as far as to write a letter to your parents what what <laughs> takeaway here acknowledge the feelings that you have acknowledge the feeling not you know you can also look at a person's behavior but look at you first so if you have those gut feelings that you had when this person outed you or you felt the similar uh, sensations of not feeling safe, not feeling like you can trust that person, uh, call it out or get away. Call it out or get out. It's one of the two, <laughs> right? Uh, I wish that... Um, I wish that we were able to continue this conversation and talk more about it because I, I feel like there is more there. Um, I know who I know who wrote this one in, and um, we've talked about patterns in uh, her other relationships, and they seem to be just completely repressed. Like, I am sad that you no longer have your freedom. I am sad that you are unable to express your freedom, and I hope that. If you listen to this, that something said resonates with you and allows for you to be able to just protect yourself in a different way. But we can't keep living in these cages that we create for ourselves after a traumatic event occurs. Because in that cage, the healing takes place outside the cage. And it's our cage. We, we got the key. We just, we're comfortable there. We're comfortable staying in our cages. We don't want to be free. We don't want to go out there and run the risk of not being in our cage because we know all of our, we got everything that we need in our cage, but what we want is outside of it. So we got the key. Get the fuck out. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get out of these cages we in, y'all. Because I'm in this bitch too. Like <laughs> I'm at a place in life now where I'm exploring the luxury of healing. Um. COVID has taken a lot away from people. It's taken a lot away from um, people I'll never meet, people I don't know exist, friends, friends of friends, family. But the gift here, and you know, I, I have to look at it this way, is that I've now had the luxury of being able to explore my own healing. And do it in a way that I can put it on display. Ooh, that rhyme. <laughs> but I'm able to do it in a way where I can put it on display and help other people find their way. Yeah, I did that one on purpose. <laughs> uh, this is this is powerful, y'all. This this really is. And oh, I guess I'll just go ahead and share. But like, I've had to do some things over this last week that were really challenging for me two weeks maybe two weeks setting a boundary with a really close friend that was really really challenging set a, and like I have to stand tall in that shit set a boundary with a partner uh, ending the kind of relationship that we had because it, it wasn't in line with my values and so now that that's been transitioned and now that my boundaries are being asserted it, it gets easier y'all it does get easier it's it's challenging but you do in fact 
have to be mindful of your energy, be mindful of your space because I I was tired after acknowledging that I don't have boundaries. I don't know how drained and exhausted I've been not having boundaries in comparison to this. Like I'm aware now that I didn't have boundaries and so now I'm putting in boundaries and it's exhausting. But how exhausted have I been not having boundaries? And ask yourself that too. You know, where don't you have boundaries? What relationships around you do you feel just completely exhausted from or drained from? And you may not even realize you're exhausted until you can compare it to a time where you're not exhausted. I saw a post that said something about being paying attention to the people who you feel good around or you feel energized around. We don't do that. I think that more often than not, you know, we will be around people and tolerate them. Be like, oh, that's just so-and-so. That's how they are. And they're draining our fucking life force out of us. How do you feel when you're around people that make you feel good? Right? (laughs) You may not be able to answer that. You may not know. I know when I'm around people who make me feel good, I might even just, I might not even need to, like, make my presence known or get their attention. It's just about being in their presence. You want to be around people who make you feel good. And you deserve to be around people who make you feel good. So allow yourself that. And give these people who make you feel good the opportunity to love you and respect you by showing them how they can do that with boundaries. Do that. Do that for them. Do that for yourself. Do that because you love yourself. That's really important. It's so important for us to be able to love ourselves. We love ourselves with boundaries because not only are we showing people how we can love them and respect them by honoring their boundaries, but also how they can love and respect us by giving them what ours are. So, yeah, just protect yourself. Like, make capitalize yourself. Caps lock yourself. Caps lock your name. Call Even if you got to create this persona, call yourself caps lock so-and-so. Because I'm, I'm going to go into this next phase of my life as Caps Lock Courtney. And I got to stay in that. Like, it's, it's paying off. I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it with how my friends are treating me. I'm seeing it with how um, my clients are respecting the boundaries of time that I have. Because I do a lot of different things that require me to be different places, different times. And to, to see the respect of communication, the respect of uh, showing up when they say they will and everything like that, that's amazing. And the respect that I'm getting from the herpes community, when people reach out now, they're quick to say, hey, you know, I, I listened to your boundaries or I've looked on the page about boundaries, blah, blah, blah. And it, it makes me feel loved and supported by the people that I'm supporting. And so I can continue to do this and I can do it at a high level. Um, I'm just going to wrap up this episode and I'm calling out for uh, the one wherever she is. (laughs) I feel like I'm ready. Um, I've decided that I actually know what I want. And all this time I've been thinking that to me, what I want is just connection long term. Ultimately, I do want connection. That's that's always going to be what I want. But I really value freedom. And I felt like for so long that what freedom looks like is me being able to essentially figure out what it is that I want through 
dating everybody that I can. <laughs> so that's what's essentially, that's one of the things that has been so appealing to me about non-monogamy. And like, now that I am non-monogamous, I'm finding myself wanting to spend time with, spend more quality time with fewer people um, because they give me like hints of what it is that I am looking for. And like, I, I'm, I'm ready to be swept off my feet, y'all. And like, what that looks like to me is just being seen, to be seen and understood and accepted as I am, not to be changed. And I think that this is going to come in a way that I've never seen before. So these boundaries that are put in place, like, are allowing me to more so focus my energy and be able to serve from the highest place that I can and also be able to bring in the people that are going to help me and support me in serving to the best of my ability and also um, whoever it is that I'm supposed to do this shit with. So um, putting it out there, hey, message me. Y'all know Instagram, the number one dating site for people with herpes. So <laughs> DM me, let me know, girl, if you out there, wherever you at, um, or if you use them, they pronouns. That's cool. I respect it. So that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People, along with my uh, dating ad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I am not going to be utilizing Twitter for Something Positive for Positive People. Twitter is private now. Um, I'll still be H on my chest, so if anyone does find me or anything like that, like you can still access me, message me, or whatever you need to do. Um, but I'm most active on Instagram, Tumblr. Well, I'm not even active on Tumblr. Tumblr's just kind of where all the posts end up. Um, and Reddit. I'm, all, I'm on Reddit often. Um, I try to check in, make a post every so often so that the new waves of people that come in are able to find the resources of something positive for positive people. As mentioned earlier, we are paying for people to get therapy. So um, as of now, the only people that we can serve are in Missouri because that's where our therapist is. So once this trial period is over, we're going to get the data in and be able to uh, replicate this in different states. Um, getting a network of therapists on board with supporting us and um, supporting the people who we send to them. And it's going to be it's going to be powerful. This is going to be what people really need. Um, a lot of the resources that we were looking for. You know what? It's been 50 minutes. I said this wasn't going to be a long episode. I said I didn't have anything to say. And here I am saying all this shit. <sighs> Thank you for listening. And I apologize for lying to y'all. I'm doing better about doing what I say I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it. So I'm, I'm really working on this. Let me know what you think of these solo episodes, please, because I'm going to have to do them for a while, just given the time frames that are available and technology. And um, it's, it's just really hard to, re to find quiet time like this to be able to record the episode and then um, upload it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and find your caps lock self, you know, look, Use your caps lock self to find your lowercase self and identify when that lowercase self is showing up so that you can be aware and then just correct course. And then shit, start to call yourself that. All caps, Courtney has a nice ring to it. Or caps lock Courtney. Ooh, caps lock Courtney sounds good. But whatever sounds good for you and is fun to play with, like live your life, enjoy yourself, and 
trying to take the lessons out of the negative experiences that we face. Till next time, stay sex positive.